Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Zimmerman with Becker's Hospital Review. Thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Rebecca Maniego, the Associate Director of Clinical Oncology with Flatiron Health. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Great. And before we dive in, can you just give listeners a, a little bit of, about your background in pharmacy and oncology and, and share a little bit about your current role at Flatiron as well? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, my name is Rebecca Maniego. I'm an oncology pharmacist by training, and I've been at Flatiron for a little over three and a half years now. So prior to Flatiron, I actually spent around a decade in the hospital and health system space. Um, my first job actually out of pharmacy school, I worked at a very small hospital in a rural town in Kentucky where I live. And while I was there, they opened up a cancer clinic with one medical oncologist. So that was really my first taste of oncology, and, and I was really drawn to it. So I sort of decided at that point that I wanted to focus my career in that space. And after that, I, I left that hospital around three years after working there and transitioned over into an exclusive oncology job in Louisville, where I'm based out of, and um, spent the next seven years between two different health systems uh, where, again, you know, kind of fully focused in oncology, I became board certified and, you know, got to a point where I was ready for a new challenge in my life and certainly had not thought of health technology as, as a space for a pharmacist, but um, ultimately found this job at Flatiron and it's turned out to be a great fit. Um, so as I mentioned, I've been here around three and a half years. I work on the development of our clinical decision support tool or CDS tool called Flatiron Assist. And I lead a team of clinicians who are very similar to myself, uh, all kind of working uh, our past in, in the real world, as we call it, before shifting over to technology. Um, but now, you know, it, we're a team of pharmacists, PAs, nurse practitioners, and we focus on creating all of the clinical content that goes into Flatiron Assist. So this is a tool that is embedded in the EHR that helps physicians choose treatment regimens for their cancer patients. And we build this upon the NCCN guidelines, which is pretty much the gold standard for how cancer patients are treated. So we're very lucky. We work with a team of uh, wonderful pharmacists at NCCN. We create the content off the guidelines. They approve it to make sure that it meets those standards. And then it gets put into the tool. So really, you know, it's it's been exciting for me when I started at Flatiron. This was very much a pilot, an idea. You know, we were able to prove this concept in one disease. And now fast forward to today, and it's fully built out. We have 24 diseases that we support in the tool, hundreds of users. And, you know, we're really just kind of digging in and making a splash in not only the community, but in the hospital and health system space. So again, very excited to be here today. Uh, technology and novel cancer therapies are certainly something that's near and dear to my heart. So I'm super excited for this conversation. So excited to have you, Rebecca. Thank you for, for walking our listeners through your background there. Um, let, let's dive in here. And I want to talk about sort of, you know, the the adoption of novel cancer therapies. And I think it's probably safe to assume that there are a number of barriers that that, that perhaps um, hinder, you know, uptake uh, of new therapies from, from, you know, thinking here from a medical and process standpoint. But considering your own experience as a clinical pharmacist, can, can you share perhaps an some examples or a specific example that highlights some of these challenges and, and maybe even some of the opportunities um, you know, you've encountered that could help increase the uptake of novel cancel therapies. Yeah, absolutely. You know, really not to oversimplify it, but this really all does come down to knowledge. So if a provider doesn't know about a new therapy or even a new indication for an existing therapy, 
they won't be ordering it for their patient. And so this is where technology is positioned to bridge that gap. And, and that's, that's this is an area we like to lean into tools like the flat iron assist, like clinical decision support tools. This doesn't mean it will ever replace the human element, right? There will always need to be an oncologist, a human making that decision, but the technology is there as a support tool, as a guide. It can help them, give them peace of mind to know that the treatment they are choosing is the newest and is the most you know, preferred recommended option coming from the NCCN guidelines. Kind of thinking back to my time in practice before Flatiron to highlight an example of, of how this challenge exists in the real world and, and why technology is so important here. Um, as the pharmacist who was in charge of building out all the new regimens for our EHR, I was always on top of new treatments. And so it was just kind of natural as a pharmacist in general, that that's your area of expertise. Um, and so I'm always the one meeting with the pharmaceutical reps and, you know, looking at all the updates from the recent conferences. And, and I saw that there was a potential for me to help the providers that they were super busy, not really able to even attend lunches. They're, they just don't have time to stay on top of all of these things. And so what I did was I created a newsletter. Um, it was kind of a monthly letter. They all looked forward to it. They were very appreciative. It was sort of a summary of here's the, this new drug. Here's the new regimen. Here's some new information, a new biomarker. And, and I sent it in an email, right? So I'm one person sending this email. This isn't in the EHR. It, it, does, it didn't have the ability to be as impactful as, as it maybe could have been. And so now I fast forward to today and it's kind of ironic. I'm here at Flatiron now building out this clinical decision support tool, in a sense, doing what I was doing in a much more robust way, right? It's no longer one person sending an email that makes its way to 10, 15 people. We have a team of clinicians collecting this new evidence, surfacing it at the point of care, right when it's relevant to our providers. And it really has so much more impact. And that's what technology enables. Looking at today, over 500 people using our tool. We've had over 50,000 regimens ordered. Like that never would have happened back where I was working before, even had I been there 30 years, right? Just as one person trying to disseminate that information and be helpful, the, the reach is so much greater when we really lean into technology here. You would have to send a lot of emails, I think, to catch exactly. up to, <laughs> to, to what you're doing now. So so let's dive even deeper into the technology component here, uh, especially I think that, that real time, having it at the point of care in real time is such a major component here. Can you talk about uh, how easy access to that kind of information can really um, impact uh, the, how the clinician does their job, impact healthcare organizations, and, and of course, patients as well? Can you, can you really talk about that and, and the other tools that are um, potentially available to folks? Yeah, absolutely. You know, really, I've kind of, we've been blessed with this explosion of new therapies. It's kind of ironic as well. It kind of parallels to my career in oncology. Over the past decade or so, we've seen immunotherapy, CAR T-cell therapy, and we've seen a decrease in cancer-related deaths. So like all of this is wonderful. Patients are living longer. We have more options, but staying on top of all of that information is very difficult. And this is especially true for our general oncologists. They see all types of patients. So it's not like they just need to stay on top of the latest thing in lung cancer. Anybody can walk through the door with any type of cancer. So there's that much more for them to try to stay on top of. I mean, just last year alone, we saw nearly 45 new FDA approvals or label expansions, and there's no other specialty out there that is evolving this rapidly. Uh, we kind of witnessed a similar influx in Flatiron Assist last year. As I mentioned, we are based upon the NCCN guidelines, so whenever those are updated, our tool is updated, and we had over 75 updates last year alone. Um, it's just kind of wild to think about how one person is supposed to be able to stay on top of all of that without the help of a tool like this. 
And it's not just a new therapy. Like these label expansions can get very, very complicated themselves. Looking at Keytruda, for example, this drug's been out for years. You know, it was approved in 2014 for melanoma. So one drug approved for, for one type of cancer, but we fast forward to today and, you know, there's over 40 approvals now it's in all the cancers. It's basically anybody can get it, but there's all these tests that you need and it can be given in combination with this. And now you can give it in this treatment setting. So it goes on and on, but the complexity has just only increased over this past decade. And so we need tools like this to kind of help us get through that and help us navigate that because we don't have time anymore to focus on that, right? That everything else is pulling at our time. And so that's why it's so important to really have these tools at our disposal. Um, and, you know, I've, we've kind of touched on novel therapies and label expansions, but these tools don't have to stop there. What we're seeing now in precision medicine is a similar boom. Now this whole world of biomarkers, we're adding new biomarkers in our tool every month. And it seems like there's something in this cancer and now it's in this cancer. And so how does one stay on top of that? Again, this is a differentiator for technology biomarker testing decision support. So how can we help our providers stay on top of making sure they are ordering appropriate molecular tests at the appropriate times if they don't even know that that biomarker is now actionable? And honestly, the data kind of shows right now we're not doing a, a perfect job here. There's definitely room for improvement. And, and it's, it's unfortunate that there are patients out there not getting tested who may have these molecular abnormalities that there was a potential therapy directed for that and, and they didn't get it. And so again, this is where we need to lean into technology. And then, you know, you sort of asked, how can this positively impact healthcare systems? So, you know, I've spoken a lot about how these decision support tools help our oncologists stay abreast of, of the latest treatments and, and the updated guidelines. But as a healthcare system, these become really useful when they're customizable. And so as in the case of our tool, our users can actually author their own preferred pathways to surface and flat iron assist. So Again, we're based on NCCN, but as a healthcare system, if you have a pathways committee or in certain scenarios where NCCN kind of takes us most of the way there, but they may have in the same scenario, three different regimens are preferred. As a healthcare system, it may behoove you to prefer one of those and to try to steer your physicians to ordering that one when there's three that are seemingly equal in safety and efficacy. Having something customizable that can enable that is huge for these healthcare systems. And what we're seeing, I mean, we have this real world data, right? We have a lot of people doing this and we are actually seeing providers are ordering in a similar scenario. They're ordering similar treatments more often when they are actually seeing it as the preferred thing to do. So as we think about, we kind of zoom out and have these larger conversations about reducing variation in care and clinical pathway use, you know, and we're seeing this evidence say, okay, these can reduce costs. They can improve patient outcomes. These aren't bad things. And how can we, as a healthcare system, move that needle? It's a tool like this that's customizable, but Flatiron's not in the game of creating the content, right? We show you NCCN as a healthcare system, you have the control to take it that next step to say, this is our preferred treatment. Um, and then lastly, you know, you said, let's, let's, how does this impact patients? We always have to tie it back to the patient. Sometimes we can get in these conversations and discussions and technology and all of this is great, but at the core of all of this is the patient. They are the one dealing with the cancer. And so how can we help them navigate that? Two of the things I just highlighted, adequate biomarker testing gives us a complete picture of the type of cancer they have. Couple that with a decision support tool to give you the latest and greatest treatment, the preferred treatment for that type of patient. And it's a win-win. Earlier access to best treatment options really does give them a better chance at a positive outcome. So, you know, and, and it, it kind of moves its way into this discussion about health equity and, you know, a patient who's being seen at that small one-doc practice where I started my career in Kentucky, 
can have same access to treatments as patients being seen at MD Anderson Mayo Clinic, right? It really does level the playing field when we all have access to technology that's helping us guide these treatment decisions. Yeah. Can, can you say more about that too? I, I think the health equity component, looking at this from a health equity lens, it's of course such an urgent concern for, for so many leaders out there. And, and you said something that stuck with me where, you know, there's some patients out there who are just not getting access to treatments that might be effective that are available to them. And they, they don't even know, you know, uh, um, can you talk more about really, you know, how healthcare leaders can ensure their clinicians get all the, they access this critical information and, and, and get those new treatment opportunities to patients, regardless, as you pointed out, where they're located, the size of their organization. You, you talked about this leveling the, the playing field. Can you, can you talk even more about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it, it goes down to no matter where you're located, no matter who you're seeing as your clinician, it's only right that every patient should have access to the same treatments and the same recommendations and the same knowledge about the type of cancer that they have. And so, Again, this is where these tools really shine. And we can't have this conversation without talking about clinical trials. So we know clinical trials are critical to advancing oncology treatments, but enrollment remains very low. It's like less than 5% of all the patients with cancer actually go into a clinical trial. Yet we make all our decisions for the rest of our 95% of our patients with cancer based upon those 5%. If you want to talk about health equity, how are we, you know, we know that those 5% do not accurately represent the entire population. And so if we want to learn faster and, and continue this trend towards decreasing mortality from cancer, we need to learn more from the people being treated today, no matter where they're being treated. So how do we move that needle? I mean, I think this is another prime opportunity when we have this prime real estate with the decision, decision support tool right in the EHR to help our clinicians stay on top of clinical trials, right? We've already talked about it's hard to stay on top of treatments. It's hard to stay on top of biomarker testing. Well, then let's add clinical trials to that. And it's just so much. And so even, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to change 5% to 95% with a tool like this, but we can start moving that needle. The more physician knows knowledge is power, right? And that can inform the decision they make. And so as a busy clinician, I can now see in Flatiron Assist, oh, for breast cancer, we have all of these trials available. I, I didn't know we had this one. It just started enrolling last week. And now it's just kind of increasing that awareness over time. The hope is that that also helps increase the accrual. And, and it just kind of feeds back to this ecosystem that we're all trying to really integrate with this new health equity focus. And, and it's great. But again, you know, another place where technology can shine. So, um, you know, I sound a little bit like a broken record, but I guess that's, you know, sort of the theme of our conversation today. Definitely the theme. Um, can you, perhaps something we can do here now is really sort of, um, you, you've already shared some great examples, but maybe ground our listeners with a with another specific example of how the technology can really, how this has been successful in terms of disseminating this information on new cancer therapies, anything specific you can share. And then perhaps even looking forward, what's, what's next uh, with regards to this technology? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is where things get really exciting. So as I mentioned, we update Flatiron Assist after NCCN updates their guidelines, but there's still a lag in time from when something is FDA approved or there's some groundbreaking study presented at a conference. Let's take NHER2, for example, the DESTINY trial presented this summer at ASCO. It was met with a standing ovation, groundbreaking, practice-changing evidence. It was incredible. Everyone that was there had that knowledge after that day, right? And so they go home Monday, they're motivated. There's a new treatment. Where are my HER2 low patients? Can I start anybody on this therapy? 
but they were there. They got that knowledge in lifetime. So how long did it take the providers that weren't there, right? How long does it take it to actually filter down to everybody else who doesn't have that immediate access to that knowledge? I mean, it takes even NCC in a few weeks to get things like this into the guidelines. And then even there, if you're a provider who's staying on top of the guidelines, are you really reading it every day? Um, our, you know, our kind of goal now at Flatiron is like, we've proven we can do monthly updates. We can stay in tune with NCCN, but there's, there's an opportunity there where we can maybe do more. And, and that, you know, getting that practice changing evidence at the point of care, day one, day two, that is really exciting. And, and that's where, you know, we're really hoping to kind of shift gears to see in this next year, if that is uh, something that we are able to achieve. And I feel pretty confident that we will. So, you know, we've talked again a lot about novel therapies, and and I think I, I can't finish this conversation when I think about what's exciting and kind of on the horizon without talking again about molecular testing, especially regarding where this information is stored and how easily it can be accessed when needed. It, it's actually pretty difficult. So to give you an example, we have a patient who comes in. Let's say five years ago, a patient was diagnosed with cancer. Their their oncologist did the appropriate test. They ordered their genomic test as they should. They got a big printout of all of the findings, one of which was a mutation that was deemed as a variant of unknown significance. Basically, that means we found something, but we don't really know what to do with it yet. And so at that point, your only option is to treat with standard of care. And so they did, and that's appropriate. Thankfully, the patient goes into remission. Unfortunately, you know, time goes on five to 10 years later, the patient comes back with a recurrence. However, that variant of unknown significance that used to be insignificant now we have a targeted therapy for it was just approved this year but do you remember that your patient even had that mutation you haven't seen them in years are you digging back through those results in the ehr can you even find it can you imagine trying to do that for every patient this is where technology needs to step in more i mean really technology is well positioned to hold that data in a structured place present it back to you when it's important again when it's relevant when it's actionable and then in the same step, show you the new therapy that's available to target that. Again, we are not there today. This is very difficult, but we are very motivated at Flatiron. And, and I really do look forward to this conversation over the next few years and hoping that this is no longer something that is sort of talked about in the on the horizon bucket, as opposed to something that we're able to talk about what's exciting today that we are doing with this technology. It certainly is exciting. Uh, the progress has already been made, but, but what's coming uh, is also truly exciting. And, and I really appreciate you sharing some specific examples and also some high-level thoughts today, Rebecca. It's been great having you on. Do you have any closing thoughts for, for Becker's listeners? Um, and, and also, where can listeners go to learn more about this? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for this opportunity. This has been great. Um, I think as a closing thought, I've spent a lot of time talking about how powerful technology is and how meaningful it can be to our patients and the way that we treat them. And all of that is true. But technology is not there to replace the human element, nor should it be. There's a place for technology. There's a place for humans. Technology cannot be the oncologist, the nurse, the nurse practitioner, the, the people having that human interaction with our patients. And so let's let technology do what it does best to free up time for the people to do what technology can't. That's really my takeaway from today. And, you know, as far as where our listeners can go to learn more, I'll be speaking at the upcoming Becker's Oncology Virtual Summit. So thank you for that opportunity as well. That takes place on February 16th. Um, I'm really excited to discuss these topics as well as dive deeper into Flatiron Assist and, you know, how health systems can move the needle on quality and costs during this shift we're continuing to see industry-wide and focus more on value-based care. Um, there will be a bunch of speakers across four different panels 
all with different experiences on oncology. So I'd love for you all to tune in and thank you again for today. This has been great. Yeah, it, it, we're excited for that for that summit as well, and it's going to be great to have you back to to talk more about this. And and you know, I really struck by the the final thought you had there. It's really technology as a tool to empower people, right? Um, that's what this is about. So, Rebecca, thank you so much for for your time. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Flatiron Health. To hear more discussions like this one. As Rebecca mentioned, join our Oncology Virtual Summit, which takes place February 16th at beckershealthcare.com.